If you are feeling a little frustrated and a little stuck with your action as a real estate investor, you're going to love this upcoming podcast episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Welcome back to the podcast. Sure, hope you're doing well. Sure, hope you're having yourself a wonderful day. I've got a special treat here for you. Now, I know I've probably said that multiple, many times, and I feel like every time I publish an episode, it is a special treat. But you know what? That's the way I like to approach it. I want to make each podcast a fantastic experience, something that you're going to learn something that you're going to be entertained. But more importantly than all those of learning and the education and the mindset and the training, I want you to do something with it. Because if you just go through this podcast or you go through and you read a wonderful book and you actually don't take any action, what you just learned, what you just got inspired by, it all, it all for naught, if you will. So that's my one of my main intentions as I've always wanted to do is to make things implementable if that's such a word, to take some action steps, to learn, learn, be entertained, be inspired, be encouraged, but do something with it. The in, most important word is do. And that's what we're going to talk here about today. So I had the wonderful opportunity of interviewing and having uh, my good friend, Quentin D'Souza, on today's uh, podcast episode. And you know what? When we recorded this one, it was right on the heels of him launching his uh, latest book. I think it was his fourth book that he's brought out. And it's the Action Takers Real Estate Investment Planner. Now, Quentin is, you know, personification of taking action. Quentin is a man and a person who is leads a group out in the Durham Real Estate Investors Group as well. And he has taken massive action. He's one of those people that, you know, almost subscribes a little bit to... Uh, uh, say yes, figure it out. But here's what Quentin does. Say yes, uh, strategically map it out, strategically plan it out. Um, what's the upsides? What's the downsides? What's the risk mitigate? Okay, now I got it. Let's go. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk a lot about in this episode is we're going to talk about the action. So if any of you are, are maybe really deep into listening, every podcast that's out there, if, I, if you go onto your, 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 your device where you're looking at it and you see, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 podcasts that are on there and uh, you still haven't bought a piece of real estate, that might be something that this could be a really good check in for you. Um, because it is about the action. Now, it's interesting on how I've, I've said this once and I'll say it again. Um, I love podcasts, but in one hand standpoint, I actually don't like them from a standpoint of, of the following is I don't think I think people sometimes use podcasts like um, a passive listening. I'm just going to keep listening and oh, you know what? I'm listening. So I'm actually moving forward. So you're actually sometimes people use it as a as a distraction and it's passive. They don't actually take any action from it. No different than when I see people that go, oh, look, I read 52 books last year. Now, first of all, congratulations. That's fantastic. Reading 52 books in a year is amazing. And that's an incredible feat to do. It's you're better off than you were if you read none. Okay. But you're barely better off if you've read none, if you didn't do anything with it. So when I actually subscribe to people to do, and this is what I work with a lot of my coaching clients, is let's potentially read fewer, but let's go deeper. Um, and here's what usually one of the things I, I recommend they do is let's pick a book a month, one book 
per month. And then what you're going to do is you're going to get the audiobook, you're going to get the, the paper book, and then you're also going to implement as many things you can. So you're going to read it as many times as you can in a 30-day period. You're going to listen to it as many times as you can in a 30-day period. But the most important thing out of all of that is what are the steps that you're going to write down and what actions are you going to take from that book? on a 30-day period, okay? So then at the end of the year, you can go back and say, look, wow, you know, I only read 12 books this year, but I immersed myself into the reading of the 12 books. And here's the 47 things I implemented from those reading of those 12 books. Now that's a powerful, powerful way to move forward. Okay, guys, so we'll keep this one tight. Um, I also have a little message for you at the end of today's podcast episode. But uh, Quentin and I dove deep into some pretty big topics. I, you know, I, I, I know Quentin and I know of him and I've met known him for many, many years, but I didn't know a lot of his backstory. So one of the things I really wanted to get into is a lot of Quentin's backstory about his, uh, where he came from and his upbringing. And you know what, the, the bottom, the best way I could describe it is just no excuses, that he just had no excuses, or he made, he had, sorry, let me really reframe this. He had lots of excuses, lots of them. Everything was potentially going against him, and he could have easily just been a, another one of the numbers out there, but he chose not to have those excuses define him or have those excuses stop him. He just made it happen anyways. And he's just a fantastic real estate investor, a wonderful educator. So if you ever get a chance to check him out, make sure you check out the Action Takers Real Estate Investment Planner. And let's please help welcome to the podcast, Mr. Quentin D'Souza. Quentin D'Souza, how are you doing, my brother? Welcome to the show here today. How's it going? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, Quentin, um, I know this is right. We're, we're recording this right on the heels of you launching your brand new book. There it is right there. The Action Takers Real Estate Investing Planner. Quentin, how many is that now? How many books have you written? Uh, that is book number four. So I actually have the, the other ones here too. Look at that. Oh. Looks like you're, you're stepping, up the, stepping up the cover game a little bit there, my brother. Yeah, well, this one, you know what, this this game, or this book is actually more like, a, you remember the phonics, the phonics books way back when? It's, it's, it's almost like one of those phonics books because like, oh, the, you can, uh, you can like write in them and, and, yeah. and that's the idea, right? Like you can put it flat on your desk and then you can, you can uh, use it and, you know, abuse it, tear out pages, do whatever you need. <laughs> wow, you're you're really uh, testing our age demographic here. Hooked on phonics, huh? <laughs> Man. How old are you now, Quentin? Uh, how old am I? Good question. Thirty-seven, going on to thirty-eight. Oh, fantastic! Well, you're 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 showing a couple things. You're showing your teacher background, and you're also showing our age demographic of of where we're at in this process. <laughs> I just That's said awesome. thirty-seven. I, I really forty-seven. Meant 47. <laughs> See, see, guys, that's what happened when you're young at heart. You actually subtract 10 years always when you're, when you're having these wonderful conversations. So, so Quentin, um, we were having, uh, I was on one of your meetup groups. Uh, it was a couple, probably a couple of weeks ago now. And you were sharing some really key insights and some killer insights for your clients out there in the Durham Real Estate Investors Group. And you were sharing a lot about what's in your, your action plan or your, your, your planner. Um, yeah. You know, before we get into that, I definitely want, because accountability, 
consistency, all those buzzwords are very, very important that we want to have a conversation about. But, Mm -hmm. you know, and one of the goals I have with my podcast, and I'm going to get to a question here, so just bear with me a second, is one of the goals I have with my podcast is I like to invite guests on that I'm a fan of, of people who I know, people I'm a fan of their work, some things I've seen, they've just done an amazing thing over a course of time. I think our, you know, wisdom and experience count for something in today's day and age, right? And so one of the things I always like to do is bring somebody on that has some experience, has some wisdom, also has the track record over time, and to just share some of the story, okay? So I know a lot about you. I've seen a lot of the the buildings you bought, the properties you transacted, just who you are, how you show up, how you are as a leader, how you interact, and how you help support people. I just know who you are. Um, I want to know where that all came from. Like, where did that upbringing come from? Did it come from family? Did it come from, you know, from uh, where you grew up? Like, give us a little bit of the story of the background, if you will. Well, this is going to, so this might be a little hard too. So, um, so we, we came to Canada, I was uh, three years old and uh, we came as uh, immigrants. We actually didn't stay with family. We stayed with uh, like a family that we didn't know. And we actually lived on, so you go into the basement and there was like, you know, it's like a crawl space basement um, with a bed. And that's where we started. We really started with uh, nothing as a family. And then we um, we moved in a, into a cooperative apartment down at Bathurst and Finch, uh, which is like in uh, in Toronto. Um, we, uh, you know, my parents uh, work hard. Um, you know, my mom was a teacher. Uh, my father was, uh, at that time, they were called computer operators. <laughs> Now that's everybody, but, uh, uh, you know, that was, that was him at the time. And we kind of, uh, we moved our way up, you know, from different, uh, um, you know, different, like from a, like a co-op apartment to a townhouse to like a semi-detached house. You know, that was, that was a family, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, definitely some challenges growing up to, right. Um, lots of, I, I worked, I worked as a, a paper paper delivery person since I had three paper routes in grade three, right? I um, I used to uh, you know sell chocolates. I used to do like tons of tons of different things. I had I worked as a, a dishwasher at uh, age twelve in grade eight. Um, you know, worked uh, different jobs. Always always uh, was a hard worker, and um, and then. Uh, I worked at the Prince Hotel, which was another interesting job. I don't know if this is at York. I, I, they would have stars that come in. So like, and I did room service. So you'd have like Alex Van Halen would come in and I would be there the day day after cleaning up the dishes, asking for autographs. He would, he would be like all these girls in the room. And the day after I was like, well, this is awesome. Anyway, so, you know, so stuff like that. I had, I had some fun and, you know, definitely um, I worked hard. Uh, family life was a challenge, uh, you know, not a, my dad wasn't a very good role model. Uh, you know, it was, there was a lot of challenges there and, uh, you know, we eventually stopped talking to each other. Both my parents are passed away, uh, now, but, um, you know, the family life was, uh, was definitely a bit of a challenge. 
Um, you know, but I was always like uh, creative, I think, in, in how I, I did things and, you know, kept my, my brother and sister together with me and, you know, uh, I made sure that my mom was okay and, you know, that sort of thing. So it was, um, there's definitely some challenges, uh, you know, growing up and, you know, I always, always good at working hard, you know, yep. different, doing different things. Yeah, I even did yeah. telemarketing. I sold duck cleaning before they outsourced it. <laughs> well, Quentin, I think it might be easier to tell what you haven't done than what you have done. <laughs> so, well, so I, used for... to, I used to bla deal blackjack too. It was <laughs> awesome, man. I was a blackjack dealer for a few years in Toronto. Like when wow. they opened up the casino in um, at the CNE, I got trained. I was really like I was 16, so I wasn't allowed to drink, but I could, I could, uh, deal blackjack and then i would do charity casinos and you know stuff like that it was it was it was fun holy moly you you have you have done it all like truly it, <laughs> it's it's funny it's funny how now you sit there and people of our you know and i'm not trying to make this a commentary about us our age back oh back in the day i don't want to sound like an old an old grumpy old man here um but it's interesting on how many people of our age, how many jobs that we've had along the way. Like, I literally started working before I was 13. I think I was 13 in multiple different jobs along the way. And, you know, people I don't think have that experience right now. Like, some people might do some odd jobs or maybe some virtual jobs or some, you know, some side hustles or stuff. But I think the kids today don't have that um, work experience. I'm not talking work ethic because I think everybody has it in them. But maybe they just don't have that experience of working for a bee farmer or working for the blackjacked place, working for somebody else along the way. I don't think we have that anymore as much. Yeah, you know what? Like uh, one thing that that did change the way that I thought about wanting to work was uh, I was a tree planter. So I used to plant trees during the summer. I did it for four four summers in uh, university, and that like drove me away from like physical labor for the rest of my life of planting like planting a thousand trees a day and like just like knocking them out with my 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 pack and you know it was and then in, in northern BC like in the middle of nowhere they drop you off by helicopter and then you're there for like two three weeks at a time you can't go anywhere right like okay quentin what what years was that and do you remember the company that you worked for because i tree planted in northern bc as well so no oh i would have to go back it's such a long time ago like 20 you know 27 years ago or yeah. whatever like it's, it would be interesting and um, i still remember some of the places that we were at we planted i would be it would be interesting to go back and see some of those trees now and and I, it's funny. I was having a conversation with somebody, and I kind of shared that with them. And they and the person goes, "You know, geez, those trees would be big now." And I go, "What are you saying?" And I go, <laughs> "I go, yeah, I guess that was 20, 30 years ago, <laughs> right?" So yeah, so that'd they, be crazy. They would be full size trees, or get they'd be big trees. You'd have you'd be through a forest, and you would you would be like, "Wow, I can't believe that I planted this!" Right? Like, yeah, I, I could totally see that. I remember like. Being in in really like Fort Nelson, like just like like smaller towns, oh, like where you where I think our criteria is like if there was like a um, what what is that burger place? If there was this one burger type of place in that town, it was considered a big town. Like if it was like an oh, if there was one A and W, you're like yeah. wow, this is a big town. It has an A and W. Like, well, that might have been a, a white spot. It might have been white spot. 
if they had a white well, spot, that was the big, it was the big tent, right? <laughs> you know, it, it, it shapes you, it hardens you when you're sleeping in a tent on a frozen yeah. piece of ground and you're yeah. getting up and you're working from sun up to sundown and you're climbing mountains all day long. It's yeah. the best, one of the best yeah. workout weight loss programs you'll ever do ever. Yeah, absolutely. I came back from that uh, one one summer, and my wife was like, "Wow, you look awesome." I'm like, "Well, I don't know. I was just working the whole time. I didn't really work out or anything." Like, yeah, you know. So you had mentioned. Um, you might find unpack a couple things from your story, Quentin, because I'm sure, sure a lot yeah. of people would like to like to know about this. Um, you mentioned you're an immigrant. Um, where did you, where mm-hmm. did you immigrate from? So I was I was born in Fiji. Okay. Um, my parents uh, came over from India um, and they stopped off in Fiji. I was born there. I'm actually trying to get my citizenship, if you can believe it, trying to get my, uh, you know, uh, uh, my citizenship because I was born there. It's take it's a little bit of a, a challenge, but I'm working on that. And then and then we came over. Yeah. So was there some political unrest? Like what what made them want to leave uh, Fiji? Because quite honestly, the climate is quite spectacular, is it not? Yeah, the climate is spectacular, but there's a lot of coups that happen uh, with the, the uh, there is a, there's a lot of um, cultural, I think, challenges because you have the native population and then you have the Indian population that's kind of come in and there's always the, you know, the, the challenges that come because the military is controlled by the native population and the government was controlled by the Indian population and there's just so much back and forth. I think there's been four or five different military coups that have happened in that that nation. So it's it's very unstable, and it's quite like uh, it's there's a lot of poverty. Like if you, I don't know if you've you've used Kiva before, but I use Kiva to do micro loans to like it's a great way to do micro loans across the world to nations that need help. Um, you know, like you would look at the Philippines and you could give microloans to individual business owners and they basically pay you back over 24 months for these loans. And you're not making any money on them, It's but it's for a way for you to give back to specifically different countries, different people. And uh, I actually focus on giving to Fiji because there are a lot of lots of poverty there. Um, yeah. So, you know, you know, being able to do that is is, is great, but you can. But I mean. You know that's that's one of the challenges. You you see the you know it's you see the the hot sun and the beautiful surroundings and you know the great um, uh, the great hotels and and that sort of thing. But really, there there is a lot of challenges there for sure. So yeah. So how old were you? Did I miss that or did you say that? How old were you when you was, came over? Three. I was three. three. Okay, so yeah. it really hadn't shaped you at that time, but it definitely had shaped your parents, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Did they ever, did, did you ever have a great conversation? And I know you had some strange, challenging times with your dad a little bit, but uh, mom, is mom still alive? No, they're okay. they both passed away. Right. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever ask them about or dig into a little bit of the past of what it was like over there? Yeah. I mean, it was very rural. Like I, I had pictures of like the dirt roads and, and that sort of thing. It was not, it was not modern. And they, you know, the reason why they came to Canada was for more opportunities, better opportunities, be able to use their, their they both had university education and, you know, um, had really wanted to be able to utilize that. And they couldn't really do that in Fiji. So it was the opportunities that Canada had 
Um, yeah. And they both had to reskill when they got here, right? Their their university. I think my mom had a master's, and she had to get a an additional degree when she was here uh, because it wasn't accepted, you know. So she had to work on that, you know, yeah. while. Well, it's interesting to note is anytime, and I've had multiple interviews with people that immigrated here into Canada, and I and this is a general statement again, guys. So, so just just as an FYI, I think um, a lot of people that have immigrated to Canada have a lot more sense of gratitude when they do come here because they fled someplace that was quite oppressive and quite dire and whatever. And then, then when they come to Canada, they go, oh my goodness, I can't believe how amazing it is here. And then us, sometimes us Canadians are born and raised here going, oh, we got lots of problems and everybody's complaining about this and complaining about that. And then the immigrant mentality of people that they're just grateful and they just get to work, right? Would you? Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, people, sometimes people take it for granted, you know, uh, and I think one of the things that I really love to do is, you know, appreciate the fact that where we are as as a nation and, and what we have and, you know, um, just the opportunities that are available to everybody, like everybody, you have, there's no caste system. There's not, there's nothing like you were born here, so you can only go this far, Right. You're, the only limitation that you have in Canada is up here, right? It's in your head. And if you can't get through that, then that's that's the issue. But there's you don't have those same sort of barriers. You can, you can, you know, if you work hard and you're willing to dedicate, you know, yourself to doing something, you can do it here, which is not the same as a lot of places around the world. And, you know, one of the things that I, I have to say that I appreciate more is, Whenever I have like a, an applicant for one of my rental units that is part of the like um, the reserves or is uh, you know a soldier in the like in our in our in the, our armed forces, I am happy to rent to them. <laughs> I'm happy because I, I you know what I really think that as a nation we should really support those people to help because they're imagine like somebody willing to give their lives for the freedom of your country. Like, you know, that's that's just an uh, amazing thing to to have. And, you know, I think we should always be supporting the people in our armed forces and yeah. in different ways. And and I and, you know, just giving us like helping to protect the freedoms that we have here, because it's just it's not like that in other places. You know, it really isn't. So, yeah, I think at times us Canadians take it for granted how good we do have it here in Canada and you know, we're gonna. I got my red shirt on, and I'm gonna put my hand over my heart and say, you know, uh, you know, bless Canada, right? We 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 live in an amazing place, full of opportunities, full of, you know, you know. Don't get me wrong. There's some challenges. There's always challenging times, but you know what? It really comes down to what you want to make of it, and really what you want to do with it. It comes down to not the cards. Pardon the blackjack analogy. Not the cards you're dealt. It's how you play the hand. That's more important than anything. Absolutely. Awesome. You, you'll, you'll notice that even like in all my designs and stuff like that, I've got like a, a maple leaf, even at the, even on the, on my books, I always have a maple leaf. Like uh, you'll notice it everywhere when, whenever I do something like that, because I'm, I'm a proud Canadian, you know, that now that I am a Canadian, I am a proud Canadian. <laughs> when did you get your citizenship? Um, oh, that's a good, uh, 78, right. 1978. I got my citizenship. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've you've you're you're Canadian. You've been here a long, long time, right? You you'd put it this way. We need more Canadians like Quentin around. Right? 
<laughs> well, I'm sure that they want to come in. So yeah. I'm sure that they're, you know, they're, they're waiting at the door. We just, nice. uh, you know, with all this COVID stuff, nobody's going anywhere. <laughs> uh, I agree. I agree. Um, before we dive into your book a little bit more and the acts from theirs, um, you were a teacher. Was that correct? So, yes. so when did that bug hit you of when you wanted to get into the um, teaching thing and, and when did you want to get out of it, I guess, would be the, the better, because you're a real estate investor full-time now, correct? Yeah, that's right. I am. Uh, since 2014, I've been a real estate investor full-time. I actually, like, uh, my mom was a teacher. Her mom was a teacher. Um, you know, my dad was a teacher for a while, too. Uh, so uh, my sister is a teacher. Her husband is a teacher. My wife is a teacher. <laughs> There's a lot of teachers. So, I mean, it was it was not a, like, it was something that was going to happen, I think. Just like, you know, you're going to university. This is what, you know, you're going to decide to do whatever you want, but you're going to go to university. But, uh, you know, when I was working and, and doing all those different things, I would always write down business ideas, right? And, um, you know, um, just different things that I would I would do. And while I was teaching, I was often doing other things. So I was never just teaching. So I would, you know, I've been taking my master's. I took my master's of education, took my principal qualifications. So I've got all of that. I would work as a consultant for textbook companies. I would do like, I, I, I actually taught myself how to do web design. And I used to have a website called uh, Free Stuff for Canadian Teachers. And I would have, I think I had something like 30,000 teachers on my mailing list. But you, you know what I figured out after like five years of doing that is that giving away free stuff doesn't really make you any money at all. <laughs> like it just <laughs> doesn't. So, uh, you know, anyways, I, I sold that business and, uh, you know, I, I, I moved on and, and I continued to, um, you know, look at different ways to make money as, on top of what I was doing as a teacher. Right. Because it was a quite a quite a busy job. So I would do like uh, I did like um, work with some stocks. I did uh, uh, tried working on like some smaller website businesses, um, you know, different things like that. And, you know, it, it kind of uh, it worked out like, OK, but it didn't really, you know, get me far. And then like in 2004, I bought a, a like a property and I was like, oh, well, this is kind of neat. And then I didn't do anything with that. Right. And then in 2008, it had gone up like a ridiculous amount of money. And I was like, oh, well, I guess uh, this real estate thing is pretty good. And then, um, so then in 2008, I got some more education. So I, then I, I joined uh, Rain at that time and got some uh, education. I went to like a, a, a weekend um, um, a seminar, right? And, and started to learn about some of the, the pieces, the bigger pieces and kind of putting that together. And yeah. um, I, I started to buy three, four properties a year and started to take on partners as I, as I went along. And then by... Um, 2000, actually by, I would say by about 2012. So I would say within four years of doing that, I could have left my job. I, I was at the point where my, the cash flow from my rental properties, um, you know, was enough for me to decide to do that. But I wasn't, I was kind of, I would say I was, I was scared, right? I was scared to take the 
take the jump. And um, so I could, but I didn't. All I did was I kept putting away the amount of money that I needed at the end of the month. And I, I did that for like a year and a half, I would say, of like, okay, I'm just testing out what would happen if I left my position. Because I also had two young kids, right, at the time. I, you know, I had um, my my oldest would have been 10 and my youngest would have been seven at the time, right? So it was, was a, a fair bit of a challenge. And, um, and so, uh, you know, by the time 2014 rolled around, I was like, this just doesn't make any sense anymore. I, I, I can do this for sure. Wow. So, yeah, um, talked to my wife and, you know, we, she said, all right, go for it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So you got the, you got the, the, you got the green light at that time. So, so Quentin, holy moly, you said an awful lot there and you know, I'm going to unpack a couple things. You okay. were making side hustles cool way before everybody else was talking about it. Really? You, <laughs> you taught yourself web design. You did a few other things, stock trading. It's like, you're, you're like the OG of the side hustle almost here, right? <laughs> Before, I, did, be- I did do a lot. <laughs> yeah, before everybody was, before it was actually in vogue and cool. And it's like being an entrepreneur now, it's like saying that you're a rapper, almost like it's like it's the cool thing to say is I'm an entrepreneur. But you were doing it way back in the day before it was cool, weren't you? Yeah, I guess so. I didn't really think of it that way. But yeah, yeah it was, um, it was, it was really uh, different. Like, and I, yeah. I enjoyed the, the ability to be able to decide what direction I wanted to go myself rather yeah. than you know, in other, other ways. Well, here's the thing. Um, and we could go so many different directions, Quentin, with, the, with this conversation, because <laughs> we, we honestly could just take 10 different tangents down different rabbit holes. But one of the conversations I have um, with a lot of people and a lot of people are feeling, I think that there's what I call, there's a, a crisis of purpose. A lot, a lot of people are, are feeling a crisis of purpose that maybe they're just in a job or something that they're just not doing. They don't feel that they have a purpose on moving forward. Okay. Um, I want to talk about the transition that you made from teacher into full-time real estate investor, because there might be some people that are going to be listening and watching this that might be just sitting there going, I'm thinking about the same thing. And, you know, you talked about, you know, you finally got the cash flow up. What was the, maybe some pragmatic steps that you took along that process to find out when you were ready, when you made the jump, or was it just one of those, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, I've had enough, it's time to move on. What was your, what was the process that you went through? Because I know you're a very detail-orientated guy and you probably had 10 spreadsheets and you had plans and you had checklists and you had everything already built out. So walk us through a little bit of the process you went through when it was the time to make that transition. Right. So I had built up a, um, you know, just different, um, different spreadsheets to show me what my cash flow position was. Now I had stress tested my portfolio to see what would happen if interest rates go up, um, if rents went down. So I, I, I did a little bit of stress testing to, in order to kind of see how that would do in the, in the, you know, the next year or two. I, I always uh, track my net worth. So I was looking at my net worth and it was what's the ability for me to be able to refinance properties, to be able to pull out uh, funding. And then I also, um, I also have like, a, actually I have it in the, the I have it in the book. <laughs> so let me see if I can pull it, pull it out here for you to, to show you, but like the net worth, the net worth tracking is like what I would do now. I would consider quarterly 
like a quarterly plan. But like I have, there's my balance sheet kind of um, where you would see my assets. And it's something that I would do like on a, um, at that time I was doing it twice a year. Now I do it quarterly. The other thing that I, that I did was this here at the bottom, which is uh, income diversity. So I kind of looked at, this is my salary at the top there. And then, well, I'm trying to do this on the camera. It's not working that well. <laughs> it's all backwards. <laughs> it's, a, it's, at, it's at the top. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, you could see like the other types of incomes that I have. And um, then, I, then I was like, how is it growing? How could I have different types of income? So, you know, once I quit my job, I was like, okay, so let me try to create a, an additional stream of income. So what I did is I started to flip houses. So I did, uh, so once I quit my job, I flipped, flipped 12 houses in 12 months and, you know, it was, and this is so messed up, but like, like I, I quit my job in June, 2014, I flipped a house in less than 30 days. Um, and I made over a hundred thousand dollars on the flip. And I was just like, what? This is like what I made in a whole year. Like, this is so silly. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but but at the same time, you had to probably you needed the full you needed full time to in full time focus on real estate to be able to execute that with flawlessly to the level that you like to do things right. That you know the other thing too is I had already been doing it. So like right. from two thousand and eight to two thousand and thirteen or two thousand fourteen, even I had been using a strategy where we bought properties that needed work. We would fix them, right? And then I would refinance them and hold the property. That was that's the strategy, the only strategy that I really did. Uh, at the very beginning, I would buy properties that didn't need too much like work, you know. But uh, um, you know, by the time I, you know, 2010 to 2014, that that's all I did. That was the strategy. And now I think people refer to the Burr strategy, B R R R. Uh, I called it buy, fix, refinance, and rent, um, but it's been around for decades, right? It's not something new. Like yeah. people have been doing it since the '60s. Well, um, it's funny. It's funny how that um, you know you've been we we've been doing some of these strategies long before there was even catchy names on it, and people you know good you know good for the people that popularized it and put a catchy title on it and really marketed it. It, but it, like you said, it has been around for a long time. What was the one I saw the other day? Oh, the flip to yourself strategy. Right. I saw that at a, at a workshop and I said, oh, talk to let's hear about this and hear about it. I go, oh, I've been teaching that for like 15 years. Right. I guess I guess I should have gave it a catchy little name, put a little TM behind it. And away we go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's you know, there's so many different things that have been yeah. done for so long. But, you know, I, right. I think the key is that, you know, go out and do it. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. I guess if we if you get around long enough or if you've been around long enough and you have enough longevity in this business, nothing. What's the, what's my one of my old, old mentors says there are no new new ideas. There's just a lot of recycled ones and repackaged ones that are out there. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, I would say that. So so would you so let's get back. And I, I don't mean to get you off tangent. So so number one is you were very clear on your numbers. That was kind of the transition. So yep. I would say that would be on one level. That's on on a, on a um, numbers level and a pragmatic numbers level that you were crystal clear and you had that. Here's the numbers, black and white, you know, one or zero. Right. You just it was it was simple. Was there any emotional 
I, things at the same time that you had to bust through about maybe your identity was a teacher or you said you had to have the conversation with your wife. You know, maybe you sit there and go, well, what if somebody asked me, what do I do? Like, you know, I'm no longer a teacher. Was there some emotional things you had to deal with at the same time? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, um, and it's, um, yeah, I think the challenge too is like teachers are, are, are great people, but they're very conservative <laughs> and they're, they're not big risk takers. So, you know, what I'm, what I'm doing is kind of out of the box of that, that kind of scenario. So, uh, you know, that, that was a challenge. I think also, um, I was was really good as I started Durham REI, I think back in 2008. And so by the time we, I got to 2012, 2013, there was a peer support network for me because I didn't actually know anybody personally that had invested in real estate other than the people that I had met along the way. And that gave me a peer support network. So I was able to find other people who had already left their jobs and were working full time as a real estate investor and just talking to them and associating that with them gave me the, you know, some of that confidence. Uh, one of my, um, my uh, oldest uh, friends in real estate there. Uh, um, so there's uh, Andrew Brennan, let's say uh, Jeff Woods, uh, Ian Zabo, you know, uh, Mark Loeffler, Right. Like all these these people that I would say, like, they're they're my good friends. Right. And there's there's a few more there. I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to miss. But like they those guys, like they just help me to to they give me confidence because, you know, they've already laid the groundwork for me. And um, it just made me feel like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Like, come on. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Sometimes and, uh, through through seeing, you know, I think maybe we should coin something. If Mark Loeffler can do something, anybody can do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's and, it. and Mark, Loeffler. I hope you, I Mark, I hope you're watching and listening because you're on my list. To get, every every person you just talked to, Quentin's on my list to get on this show of experienced people that have done some amazing things that have amazing stories to share as well. And I'm on a mission a little bit to share. You know, not the oldest, the older crowd, but more experienced investors stories as opposed to just somebody just getting started. Because I think there's a new generation of real estate investors that can benefit from the wisdom and experience of the Quinton D'Souza's and the Ian Zabos and the Andrew Brennan's and the Mark Loeffler's and all those people that have gone forward and trailblazed in many respects. I think there's an awful lot of lessons we can learn for the next generation as well. Yeah, you know what I'm finding is there's a lot more um, there's a lot more push for like immediate gains like uh, wholesaling and like uh, flipping properties and just like you know take your money now and run almost and um, I, and I don't necessarily agree with that approach to investing real I don't even think that's investing in real estate I think that's creating a job for yourself. And, um, you know, and I, it's not that I don't think you should do it. I think it's necessary to, like, for me, that was how one of the things that gave me confidence once I left my job, but I actually already had the income that I had built from the buy and hold portfolio that was behind me to be able to do that. And, um, and I think what people are, are forgetting is that like, you know, having cash in the bank it's not a really good thing to do. 
<laughs> it's 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 good for comfort, but it doesn't give you it doesn't earn you anything. And real estate is you know the the power of real estate is the leverage that you have. Um, you know, the fact that you can improve upon it and maybe refinance it after you approve upon it, but also it's the cash flow, the yield that comes from that asset, right? And if you do it right and you have, you know, these little businesses that are spitting out money every month to you and you've got like 30 of those little businesses and, you know, you're, um, and then one of those businesses, you know, that goes up in value, which is, is awesome, but then also the rents go up too. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, you know, so I, I you know, looking at my portfolio, the a property that I bought, let's say in 2010, uh, like a, a, a triplex, you know, that, that one property is gives me over $2,000 a month clear cash flow every month. No, like just one property, <laughs> you know, and I could have, I could have flipped that property for $25,000. I'm sure at the time that, you know, whenever, uh, you know, I had that deal under contract. But the thing is, is that, you know, it's, if I was only focused on like the dollar bills, then uh, like, what is the, what does he say? You know, like yeah, you're picking up the pennies and you're you're missing all the dollar bills that are. Oh yeah, you're you know. you're 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 walking over the dollars to save the dimes, right? Yeah, you know, and and that's what I feel is happening with all the wholesaling and stuff yeah. like that. Instead of doing like the wholesaling piece to it, why not do the lead generation, get the deals that make sense, and then take on a partner and. <laughs> And you still end up with the same thing. You could even have the partner give you a finder's fee equivalent to a wholesale fee. Like, what's what's the difference? If you need to pay for your marketing, it's understandable if you want to add like a, a yeah. wholesale fee onto it well, and then, and then scale then, yourself faster. Right? Yeah, and, and then at the same time, you also get the benefit of having your partner experience an incredible gain, which you participate in alongside. There's, so a lot of people are, you know, I, I 100% agree. So so preach it, brother. Keep preaching, right? So, <laughs> and, and it's something that I, I share and I call it, don't get me wrong, you know, sometimes you got to make the money and you got to build, make money, and then you also have to build wealth. And I coin it as the MMBW, make money, build wealth, right? So, so just be clear that, you know, wholesaling and all these other kind of shorter term stuff, that is a make money strategy. It's not a long-term build wealth. And it's a good way maybe of generating some capital to reinvest in a good long-term performing asset from there. Right. So, so yeah. 100% agree, 100% agree. And, and, and keep, keep sharing that message because at the same time, you know, and some people will sit there and go, well, why would I ever want to bring on a, a money partner or a joint venture partner or something like that? You know, it's a good opportunity for you to give back to another person that could not maybe make this wealth themselves. And I read on your Facebook posts a couple times that you just shared some case studies of some investors that you have helped yeah. out. I'm sure, Jeff, I know I'm going to put you on the spot with some of the numbers and it's okay if it's directional, but share some of the numbers of what your partners have done on some of the projects you've invested in. Yeah, I've, you know, the the lowest amount of annual ROI has been like 34% or something like that. And that was on a shorter term project. You know, my, like some of my partners have got at least 50% ROI annually on their, 
on their return. And um, you know what? Uh, It's a win-win like for me and for them. And, you know, for some of the people that I've been working with, like I know they're looking to me like this is our, you know, this is what we're doing. This is our investment strategy, right? And I, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's exactly what my investment strategy is too. So you know, we're working in the, in the the right direction, and we're working together. And yeah. I think that like if you find the right partners, it can be a huge difference to your business. There there are the wrong partners. So like there are the wrong partners out there, and um, you want to have some sort of. Uh, like a checklist or an interview system or a filtration system that allows you to knock out the partners that, you know, don't make sense and find the partners that do. Like, and your criteria changes over time, right? Yeah. Like I used to, like when I'm working on uh, apartment buildings now and I'm putting together funds for it, you know, somebody might tell me like they're, they're getting their funds from a line of credit. And then, so all of a sudden I say line of credit, I go, no, I'm not working with you. Like it's just not something that I'm I'm willing to do anymore because that means to me that you don't have the funds to be able to put put it in towards a deal, and then that could be uh, problematic because in the future you may need those funds in order to pay for your line of credit or whatever it is. Unless you have like unless I can listen and hear some other kind of pieces that are that kind of support you having this line of credit for some other thing. Um, you know, it's not something that I'm going to do. So if you say you have you know, $400,000, but you're pulling it from a line of credit, it may not, you know, I may not um, be interested in partnering with you. And the difference you see here is that I have an abundant mentality. I I feel like I can find other people who could bring $500,000 to a deal or, you know, whatever whatever that is. And, um, And I think that there are the people out there that you really can work with and want to work with. Or you could just do it yourself, right? Yeah. Like this, I'm, I'm working on um, like a, a 16 unit building right now. And, you know, my choice is I've refinanced a bunch of things. I've got some money sitting in the bank. I could just do it myself now, or, you know, I can help the partners that I have that are out there and, you know, work with them to do, to, uh, to do the deal. Yeah. Right? Help, so. help the people that have helped you along this journey at the same time. Now um, we truly Quentin, and maybe we should book a separate con- a conversation for this. Um, we truly could talk about raising capital probably for a better part of a month and, and still have, and only have scratched the surface. Right. <laughs> Um, um, you're probably one of the the best out there that I've seen of, you know, raising capital, but also teaching it. You're very good uh, at the way you teach it. And if somebody is interested in learning how to raise capital, something like that, where did, where did you learn? And I'm sorry if this sounds like a pandering question, but where did you learn how to do this? And what would you recommend for somebody that wants to learn the process of how to raise capital? Well, there's this guy that I met. His name is like Russell Westcott. Yeah, well, I'm trying not to make it a pandering <laughs> question. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it is it is a valid one. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I th- I think that you know from um, just like from getting started and in inspiration and tweaking your process, I think you know there's there's lots of different places out there to get it. There's lots of books out there. I've got a like a bookshelf full of books that I could pull down and we can we could look at some of those books together. But yeah, one of those books is some guy named Russell Westcott. And uh, he's got this joint ventures book that uh, I thought was really great. And um, also I think um, you know, listening now that like it's so 
so amazing that you've got this podcast that you're putting together and sharing people like like that's that's a great place to get knowledge right yeah but you know you you my my best suggestion is to find people that are already doing like money raises and things like that and perhaps partner with them on one of the deals and ask them to take you through the process. You know, that's another way of getting getting through it and, and getting the, you know, the educational piece. But, you know, joining communities, there's lots of communities all over the place, you know, join communities that are doing that, like already investing in real estate and connect with those people, you know, like we have like you can have people from you know actually we in we have we have the Durham Real Estate Investor Club but we have people from like Vancouver and like Montreal who actually attend the meetings and access the content because communities are so different now like it, like we're so like especially with what's been happening over in particular what's been happening over the last year like we've been seeing like like I I've attended Victoria real estate events and Edmonton real estate events because you can and you know everything has come closer together and that makes it easier for you to find other people who have already done what you wanted to want to do and then you know talk to them and you know get inspiration to them I, I remember coming to talk to you after an event one time about joint venture partnerships it was like uh Okay, Russell, you know, I'm really interested in this real estate, you know, uh, partnership thing. You know, what's the next step? And it's like, Quentin, just go get a joint venture partner. Like just go do it, you know. You know, stop. What is this? Yeah, was it wasn't was my like, most wasn't no. my most detailed advice at that time, but it no. seemed to have worked. <laughs> you know what? Whatever works, that's what I say, and it, and it was memorable for me. So that's what's important, right? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I was like, you know, you probably had conversations with a hundred people at the time, right? So, uh, but but for me, it was memorable because it was like, you know what? That you already know. It was almost like so. This is what I read into it. You already know this. You've already been hearing about this for the last few months. You, you know what to do. What you need to do is go out and do it. That's what yep. I heard. Right. Well, and interesting. Some of the some of the coaching I do for people is I you know not that they need permission, but I have to almost tell them just get out of just get out of your way. Like you're you're standing in your own way of doing this. You have the tools, you have the resources, you have everything at your fingertips. You got the coach, you got the you got the knowledge, you got the background, you got the education, you got the opportunities. Just get out of your way, right? And just go execute in the process of you executing and taking the next step. You will learn more than about us having these conversations, right? So just shoot the puck, make it happen. If you miss the net, go dig the puck out of the corner, bring it back out, and shoot it again, right? It, it's. I'm sorry if it sounds really trite or it sounds really oversimplistic, but I think we all get lost in the process of how many steps do I have to take? What is the right next? The, the right next step is do, to take a step. You know, is uh, what it, is the it, next step? Right. That's exactly. the only thing you have to really talk about. Okay. There's so, uh, so many cool people out there that are sharing stuff now too. Like that. Um, I, I can't get enough of this guy, Arlen Dolan. I don't know if like the guy is like uh, I don't know. He's like a maestro or something. Like uh, I, I love listening to that guy talk and you know just do different. Like he, I don't know. I, I like him a lot. I don't know yeah. him. I never met him. 
but I like them. Like, you well, know? if, if and, you follow my channel, you'll see many different. Arlen Dolan has his fingerprints all over a lot of the content and materials. And this book behind me would not have been written if it wasn't for Arlen, which then helped out a lot of people, which then has inspired others to, to do this as well. Okay, before we transition into your investor planner, which I highly encourage everybody should get a copy of. So um, one more time, let's just... Uh, Put it on there. It is right there. Hold it up one more time there, Quentin. So strongly encourage everybody to pick up the Action Takers Real Estate Investing Planner. Um, okay. Why why did you write it, Quentin? What was the what was the inspiration and what was the story behind you putting all this together? Well, I had uh, I had done coaching as well. So I had um I'd used my teaching background and I had developed curriculum for coaching clients, which included uh, uh, basically a whole goal setting planning process where we would set, you know, big 20 year goals and then we would focus them down into uh, smaller goals and then into quarterly plans and then weekly plans. And um, uh, I had been working with my coaching clients for uh, quite a few years doing that. Uh, last year and um, just into this year, I have decided not to, to do that coaching program anymore or coaching in general. I I still enjoy it. That's why I continue to do Durham REI, the teaching piece. I just don't have the, I, I'm working on much bigger opportunities and I can't really focus my time enough to give it the, the the amount that I think and deserve that coaching needs. So I can't do that anymore. So what I've done is I've released the, the materials that I gave to my coaching clients um, into the book. So the first part of the book is actually the first hundred pages is an explanation on how to use the planner. It's an explanation of, um, of what to do, um, how it works, how to set quarterly goals, and then um, there's a, a number of tools in it that I use, like, for example, like, you know, the Wheel of Life activity, you know, knowing where you are from like a, a real estate growth perspective. Are you in the building phase, growth phase, defend phase of your of your um, asset acquisition, um, you know, income diversity, and then, you know, developing out the quarterly plan into the different like um uh, focuses for the quarter on what are you doing for finding properties? What are you doing for funding properties? What are you doing for financing properties? And, you know, a lot of this stuff has actually come out of all the business training and workshops that I've done over the, like the, over the years. Like there's some, been some really great people like uh, Andrew Barber Starkey from uh, Pro Coach was somebody that I worked with for years. Uh, uh, Dan Sullivan, strategic coach is somebody that, and all of that has kind of helped me to, 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 to organize things in a strategic way. And this is specific for real estate investors. Yep. And this is the, this, the system that I use in order to help me to grow. And, and now I'm uh, exceeding 34 million in assets under management in, in Canada, the U S and, and that comes from focusing on my quarterly goals. And, and that's what this book is all about is yep. like uh, the planning like when you look at the weekly planner, it basically is planning out your week in front of you. And I have it actually to the to the side of me and I have the, quarter, the quarterly plan on my desk over there too. So, I mean, um, like I do, I'm using this and I have been using this for a very long time. And yeah, it, um, it almost sounds like, um, guys, I have it pulled up over here. It is on Amazon. Is that, where's the best place to pick up the book? 
Yeah, so you can go to uh, Action Taker Planner. Uh, it's called uh, actiontakerrealestateplanner.com is okay. the is uh, the website. So you can get like um, a package or you could just get, if you just want this by itself, um, you can just go to Amazon and pick it up. Yeah, so that's once again, actiontakerplanner.com. Actiontakerrealestateplanner.com. Ooh, that's a long type. <laughs> Actiontakerrealestateplanner.com. All right. Yeah. I love it. Love There's it. not even a jingle that I have, so I would try to come <laughs> up with a jingle or something to make it easier to remember, but yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, so so a couple final questions I'm going to leave off here with Quentin. So, so number one is I think this book, honest to goodness, should be it should be a core fundamental for every real estate investor. It really should. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm probably going to, I want to have you and I have a conversation after this. I maybe want to help you distribute this book and this planner out into more people's hands. I want to get it into the hands of my coaching clients. My copy hasn't yet arrived yet, Quentin. And, and for po- <laughs> if, you're, if you're on the podcast and you're listening to this, my right eye has got a little twitch in it right now, winking. <laughs> No problem. Uh, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Well, it's that we're pandering for free books now, aren't we? Here, Russ. So, <laughs> so I do have two two questions I want to leave off with. Um, so, okay. So this is a deep story. Um, immigrated here when you were three. Um, had some challenging, you know, challenging upbringing. Literally did everything from dealing blackjack to side hustles to, you know, developing your own website, teaching yourself how to code. You know, there was just all these different little side businesses and things you're doing to teaching to now a full-time entrepreneur, full-time real estate investor. You're still a coach and a teacher to a, a group of people now with the the Durham group. Um, $34 million in transactions so far. So far, what's next for you? What is the next chapter and the next book that Quentin D'Souza is writing right now? Well, uh, one thing that I'm focused on is I'm continuing to grow our the asset base. So with the, the current assets under management, like I, I do plan to grow that to, um, to a larger extent over the next year or two. So I do want to continue to build that up. Um, you know, the last building I did was 23 units, and I would re- really like to see myself get into the larger buildings and be able to, to raise funds and, and, and do that. So that's my one of the pieces that I'm working on. I also invest in businesses. So I, I've been doing, um, like I've had a, a little storage facility that um, I've invested as an investor in a, in a, um, a company that just actually went to the um, the TSX, which has been pretty cool. Uh, so I've been getting some some stock options on some of that stuff, which has been neat. I'm in the process of investing in another company uh, right now that is a tech startup, um, which I see a lot of potential. So I do some of that sort of investing. Yeah. Um, it, you know, like I, I think that um, there's lots of opportunities out there, and I want to be able to to grow myself, to 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 learn, and to be able to um, to take on those opportunities and continue to scale and and do what what I was what I think I do best is, you know, I'm a transaction engineer, and uh, you know, I I can really reposition assets. Like I, I did it for a long time with the. Um, the single family homes and the the duplexes and triplexes and fourplexes. And I just, I think it took me a little bit to get into the building space because it was, the numbers were, were bigger. And, you know, I, I just should have realized a lot earlier that it's just another zero. 
That's all it is. Like if I just added a zero to it, I would have been fine. And if I just thought about it as another zero, it would have been fine. So, um, and then now, you know, buying a $4.6 million building is not, is, you know, it just means that I can do a forty-six million dollar building because it's another zero. That's all it yeah. is. Yeah. So you 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 stole the word right out of my mouth, Quentin. It's like it's like we're a meld of the mind here. So essentially, what you're doing is you're doing more of what you were doing, but you're just adding zeros to the to the the zeros on the left side of the decimal point, not on the right side of the decimal point. Decimal point. Yeah, that's right. You know, well, like we're at, um, you know, 134 uh, uh, units and I'd like to, like, maybe that'll be, you know, 234 units by next year, right? Like it just, I'm just going to continue to, to, to add, you know, uh, in that case, it's not an extra zero, but it will be getting to the extra zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Working wow. towards it. Well, you're 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 quite the inspiring guy here, Quentin. And like I said, one of the things that I always wanted to do in this podcast is, you know, I have people contacting me all the time that want to be interviewed on podcasts, and I get it. I, 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 you know, I'm honored. But what I want to do is I want to bring people who I'm a fan of. Um, I'm a fan of the work that you've done. I'm a fan of who you show up, how you show up, how powerful you show up, because I firmly believe it's the results are important, but more important than the results. It's who you become in the process of accomplishing the results is more important than the results in and of itself, okay? And I guess that's a way of saying that um, I'm a big fan of yours. And I'm going to offer oh. you one, one little bit of gratitude before I do ask the last question. Is I, Quentin, from that first time I really remember our converse, like probably an in-depth conversation, I remember it was on one of the bus trips that we had where there was this guy out in the in the in the the, the Durham region who just was he was just slowly just crushing it out there. And so we had a bus trip with the real estate investment network and we asked this guy Quentin to kind of organize a little bit about the tour. And you just came back and you had a route and you had properties and you had QR codes way before QR codes were even a thing. You had listing numbers. You just you just owned your area and you were just I just was so impressed with you as an investor. And I sat there and I go, I go, no wonder people want to work with Quentin and be his investment partner because you just got it just nailed and dialed in. And everything you have ever done, everything you've ever taken from your, your, your group to your projects, to your coaching, to your books, you have just done it with class and you have done it with a servant's heart and you've just nailed it. I just want to offer you that, okay? Oh, thank you for saying that. And, and no problem. That's that's from the heart, and you know that's where I come from always. Um, and then the last question I want to say is, so let's say somebody is sitting here and they're watching this episode or they're listening to this podcast, and they're maybe feeling a little bit either stuck or impatient that things are not moving fast enough. What would be some final words that you would leave for somebody if they're just feeling a little impatient with the process right now? When you say impatient, can you just clarify a little bit? Like, yeah, maybe they're they're just sitting here and they're just feeling that they want to. They think they should have more results right now, and they sit here and they listen to us talk and talk thirty four million dollars and properties, and and they're struggling to find their first property. Right? What would you offer to somebody that's maybe just feeling a little impatient that they think they should be further on the down the road? Yeah, you know what I, I think the challenge is is not to compare yourself to other people. Like, um, you know, it's good to have 
um, it's good to have other people in your peer group that have done more than what you're already doing, right? Because that just helps to propel you forward. But always just focus on the next deal. Don't, don't focus on 10 properties. Don't focus on 20 properties. All you need to focus on is the next deal. And give yourself, like, that's why I only do quarterly plans. I don't do annual plans because focus on what you're going to do this quarter. This 90 days, that's going to help you to get to, you know, your next goal. And if you can just focus on your next property and not 10 properties or 20 properties or 100 properties, you know, I think that anybody can get there. Like, honestly, I, I, I'm not special. Like, I, you know, I'm just Quinton. Like, I'm just an average person. Um, you know, anybody can do it. The thing is that I, I just don't give up and I, and I keep working hard. And I, like I, even on my desk, like on my desk is this this saying. I look at it every day. Never, ever, ever, ever give up, right? And um, and I and I don't, you know, like when I have uh, building inspectors that tell me this and this has to be done and that has to be done, or I've got to tell financing people that tell me, oh, I can't give you, you a mortgage. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, you, you're not able to do that. You know what? I I don't listen to people like that. I just keep working hard and keep moving forward because I know that if I work hard enough, it's going to happen anyways. It doesn't matter what anybody tells me, you know. So like for that person who's stuck, I, I'm going to tell you just focus on getting that next piece done and never give up. I don't think you're only stuck when you've given up. That's the only time you're really stuck. Wow. And and when you say I'm just Quentin, uh there's you can get rid of the just you you're you're almost like Madonna where you can just have one name and it's just Quentin. And and for me, you're affectionately known as Q. You're 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 Q and our er, to me. So so Quentin so That's okay. That's the same with Loffler and uh you know, I call Loffler Loffler, by the way. I don't know why. I've always called him Loffler. Yeah. And yeah, uh, and, and Andrew. Everybody else has a first name, but Loffler has a second name. I don't know why. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Quentin and Loeffler. It's like, you guys are like Madonna, right? <laughs> oh, man, Quentin, we could do this for hours. And um, maybe we'll do this again. Um, guys, if you are listening to this or you are watching this, and maybe you, if, you know, the best way to always, the best way to get another guest back to share even more is to leave feedback leave a review, thumbs up it, heart it, whatever platform you're listening to, the more feedback you leave, the more shares you do, the more signal it means that we need to bring that person back to even go deeper into the conversation. So, so Quentin, once again, wanted to just thank you and have yourself a wonderful day. Did you think? Did you thoroughly enjoy today's conversation with Quentin? You know, I, I I sure hope you can. You know, if you didn't get a chance to maybe check out the YouTube channel, um, Quentin and I also did this on as a video as well. So if you get a chance, and maybe you're maybe more of a visual learner, but but by and large, it was mostly just the visual part was just Quentin and I have a conversation that you know the traditional talking heads, but I did a lot of cuts and there's a lot of entertaining things within then graphics come up when the book comes up and stuff like that. But some of you might be uh, a little bit more visual than auditory learners. By all means, check out the YouTube channel and subscribe there. But we had a wonderful conversation. I I, I have a deeper respect for, uh, you know, here's the thing. I was a fan of Quentin before we even started 
with uh, doing this. And now after this episode, I, I'm actually a bigger fan, a bigger fan of the action he's taken, a bigger fan of the impact he's provided, a bigger fan of who he shows up in the world, a bigger fan of how he elevates the people around him. And that's one of the things that I like to do with my podcast is, is to bring people on. First of all, I, I, I'm just like you guys. I like to learn. I want to learn everything I possibly can from my guests. And sometimes I get distracted in the whole thing about the audio and the levels and, and the, you know, asking the good questions and stuff. And I have to actually force myself to really listen because there's some absolute gold nuggets that uh, my guests are providing here. And uh, most importantly, I'm just like you in many respects is I, when, when I'm, when, if you've ever watched a YouTube video, you often see me making some notes. It's not about what I'm going to say next. I actually have a page where I have my agenda of what I'm going to talk about. And then on the other side is what things am I going to do from this podcast? Like, what am I learning from this guest? And what actions am I going to take? The most important word I put the emphasis on was action. And I hope you guys get that loud and clear from this episode is it's all about what you do with what you know. It's not about what you know that will make the difference. It's the people that actually have the instant implementation that that implement at the speed of thought, people that get things out there, that people that just shoot the puck as one of my favorite uh, core sayings is within my life is just make sure you just shoot the puck. Okay, game. until the next one, you know, the next one's coming up you know, probably no, no later than a week away. I'm just having lots of fun putting out these podcasts. So make sure you share this with somebody. If, you know, if you're ever at a networking event or you're just having a conversation with somebody and they're just looking for, what are you listening to? What's a good podcast to listen to? Send it my way. I would be gratefully honored if you could just share out the good word and share the word out of this podcast. And hopefully it helps out another person on their this journey. Okay, gang. Let's get after it. You know, remember the implementation word we had here was do something with what you've learned and the action. So remember, guys, in every interaction you have with another human, always, always, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.